Let the madness begin. My name is Jay O. I am the author of Maximize Your Medicare, the 2019 edition, available now, ebook and paperback format everywhere, Amazon.com certainly. Please visit the website for the book, www.maximizeyourmedicare.com. Today's podcast, all podcasts are not financial advice, even though I have licenses and all sorts of certifications to tell you that I'm qualified to give financial advice, I need to know a lot more about you. You can send me private emails to jae at maximizeyourmedicare.com. Quam, what's quam? Anyway, I'll respond to you within 24 hours. So we're headed towards the last three weeks of March. And just a quick update, which is that March 31st, is the end of the Medicare open enrollment period. Quick reminder, for those persons who have Medicare Advantage plans, this gives you the unrestricted right to make a change once among Medicare Advantage plans. It doesn't have to be the same carrier. It can be a different carrier. You could have reasons for doing so. For example, you may find out that a doctor has not participated in the network that you thought. For example, you could have extra benefits that you didn't know existed in another plan, and they do, you'd be able to change your plan if and only if you do so by March 31st. You do get this chance, you get it once. What you cannot do is you cannot change among prescription drug plans. So let's just say you have a Part D plan. You cannot change your Part D plan. Can you change from Medicare Advantage to Medigap? Yes, that is possible because you'd be canceling your Medicare Advantage plan and enrolling in Medigap. However, it's very important to do this immediately. And the reason is that you need to get accepted by the Medigap carrier and the order will matter. The reason is that I wouldn't want you to have no extra health coverage, which or medical coverage, I should say, which is what would occur if you canceled your Medicare Advantage plan and then were rejected by your Medigap plan. Now, there are certain other caveats here. You may qualify for a special enrollment period for Medigap. That is the topic of Maximize Your Medicare. In addition to that, you may have the ability to receive extra help, which is the federal plan, which does provide financial assistance towards prescription drug coverage. Finally, if you do receive extra help, then you do get the quarterly right. This is not March 31st does not end the March 31st does not end your ability to change amongst configurations. I guess there's actually one more, which is for those persons who have not correctly enrolled in Part B, for those persons who, for whatever reason, you missed your Part B enrollment period, this is the time to do so. You have through March 31st, your effective date will be July 1st, and then 
In addition to that, you will have a special enrollment period into Medicare Advantage plans beginning on April 1st. Now, this seems complicated, but it's pretty important for people to do so because your late enrollment penalties are continuing to accrue during this period. So if you haven't enrolled in Part B, and you should have for whatever reason, and I'm not throwing stones on how we got there or we got here from there, but now what do you do? This is your time. That enrollment period for you ends all on March 31st. Anyway, that's not the point of today's podcast. The real point of today's podcast is the last article that I put in the Maximize Your Medicare newsletter. It is a free newsletter. You can subscribe on MaximizeYourMedicare.com. Some of the things that I put on the newsletter are, you know, in addition to the updates about what is going on and, you know, different inputs that are going that are going to affect Medicare beneficiaries and other persons, you know, extended families, individuals, etc., people preparing for retirement, is a postmortem of sorts. And I'm going to give you the quick background with trying without trying to bore you with details. But basically what ended up happening is in Michigan, where our offices are in in, in Ann Arbor, the The dominant carrier and a very popular plan was a particular specific type of Medigap plan. It was Medigap Plan C. The language was identical, meaning that since it was a standardized Medigap plan for those newcomers to Medicare, Medigap plans are standardized down to the letter. They are exactly the same as one another. Anyway, in Michigan, This plan C existed where the price was stable across ages, which made it very unique, meaning that most Medigap policies are something called attained age, meaning they change with your age as allowed by the state in which you live. Back to Michigan, this particular plan was called Legacy Plan C, and its premium were not only low, But as you know, or may know, the coverage on Medigap, excellent. Well, the reason that the plan's premiums were held stable and low was because of an agreement between the carrier, the dominant carrier in Michigan, which is Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, and the state itself. That agreement specified in advance that Blue Cross would keep its premiums fixed under this pricing structure, which doesn't normally exist, until a particular day. That day was the end of August 2016. To any observer, to any person that knew where the market for Medigap was, meaning what the average price across all the different age divisions, and not only at Blue Cross, but the world being very competitive, being that, you know, my firm and part of what I do is to compare prices across locations at the same age. So let's just call it a 70-year-old person. A premium is $125 versus $128 versus $135. These are transparent. I can compare them. We do do this, you know, actively all the time. Anyway, it was self-evident that Blue Cross Blue Shield had a premium that it had to hold constant as a result of this 
agreement, and it was way lower than the rest of the market. Now, the regulatory requirements are that the carrier has to report on what the premiums received and the amounts of claims paid. And if you look for those persons who are perversely curious, you can actually look and find this data. It has to be filed. These sellers don't just get to randomly make up numbers. It revealed what we knew to be self-evident to persons from my perspective, which is that they were taking a bath, crushed. Something like 60% loss. Okay. And which made total sense, right? Because what ended up happening is if you were 95 years old, you paid the same price as a person who's 65 years old. If you were part of Medicare because of the fact that you qualified for Medicare prior to 65, in other words, you had ESRD, or if you had two years of social security disability, if you had Lou Gehrig's disease, then you had Medicare early. Well, you could have also gotten this same Medigap policy at the same price as Mr. or Miss Bulletproof at 65. You all got one price. There's no way, right? There's no way that the price could possibly make up for all the claims that was going, that were going to occur. And I simply worked backwards by gleaning, by comparing what the actual very competitive marketplace would have otherwise been. On we go. I promise to get to the punchline as fast as possible. And that's why I'm talking so quickly here today, which is, so the agreement day approaches. Okay. The agreement day approaches and the inevitable hammer drops. And, and by inevitable, what I mean is inevitable from my point of view, given what I've just explained over the last five minutes, right? Which is Blue Cross then correctly, justifiably told its existing policyholders, look, we've been getting crushed here. And here are the way the numbers actually fall out. And as a result, we are changing to a different pricing structure because the cause of us taking a bath through 2016 was due to a clause and that expiration date has now been reached. We need to adjust so that we can at least break even and up to the MLR rule, which is medical loss ratio, meaning that they have to spend 80% on claims. Well, they were paying, they were spending 160% on claims. So obviously that's a loser. They needed to correct it and they were justified in doing so. Right, you don't go to a place where the payout, where the seller has a known payout where it is greater than the amount of receipts. I mean, there's no business that exists that way. Ask, ask a seller of gum, right? They don't get to sell at a loss. Anyway, on we go. So they ended up increasing prices and then, and that's story number one which is the carrier did the rational thing and it's it was backed up by evidence and numbers right and that's our first moral of the story i'm not sure if moral seems a bit high-handed but anyway that's my first lesson for here which is that look the sellers yeah it may look optically like they're randomly increasing prices but that ignores two very important inputs number one is 
they have got to answer to a regulator, right? And the regulators tell them, look, you need to spend 80 cents on the dollar and you have to justify your price increases based off that metric. If you don't satisfy that, you don't get to randomly increase your rate. And the second thing, and one that I implied earlier, which is that there are other competitors here, right? So while Blue Cross Blue Shield is a name that everyone will know, that doesn't mean that they are the only seller. And especially for a contract whose terms and conditions of coverage must be identical. There's no such thing as Medigap Plan N from Joe's Insurance Company to be different than Medigap Plan N from United Healthcare. That does not exist, right? Meaning that the terms and conditions under Medigap must be standardized, must be. So that's the first lesson, which is, or the first takeaway, if you will. Man, I'm going to use the word takeaway. That seems more, you know, fitting. The first takeaway here is Blue Cross Blue Shield in this instant was the rational actor. It did merely what it had to to survive in order to both serve its existing policyholders and not take a bath. We cannot point to them as evidence here of wrongdoing or insurance carrier trying to rip me off, etc., etc. That is not what was going on. That is not the math of money of the way this works. Again, this doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be insurance. This can be the local gum seller. They're not going to do this. We would not ask the gum seller at 7-Eleven to run it at a loss. And I use the term gum, you know, intentionally, right? It sounds like a random term by me. It's not, right? Because Trident at 7-Eleven is the same as the Trident at Circle K, right? They are identical. The second takeaway, though, is more subtle and actually probably more instructive, which is I can understand and we get this all the time which is that uncertainty, meaning in the absence of a crystal ball, yes, you cannot predict the future. We don't know whether or not you're going to get into your car and then a drunk driver is going to sideswipe you. That cannot be predicted, right? So you could claim to me, and we hear this all the time, well, it's kind of like gambling. We don't know what the future holds. Yeah, that is true. However, that is entirely different from what I've described here, right? The uncertainty of the premiums going up in Blue Cross's case, okay, may have seemed uncertain to the people who don't understand what is going on. But the reality is, is that if you do understand what's going on, it doesn't look random, be, there's a reason it doesn't look random. It wasn't random, right? The first takeaway was that Blue Cross Blue Shield did exactly as it should have done. And there are boundaries on its behavior. There are boundaries, right? And those two boundaries being medical loss ratio and competition. It is the rational actor. But what ends up happening, and the second takeaway, is that people, decision makers, consumers, don't make this difference. They don't distinguish between this. All they want to do is to say, 
okay, let's find someone else to blame due to the fact that we didn't understand that this was not random. So you could say, I guess, you could say, well, that's Jay's fault. He did not properly explain this to me. And in your local area, perhaps you had your buddy who you listened to at coffee hour. Well, that's not an expert, right? So, you know, my point here is that it's really not our, it, it is my responsibility if you ask me, no question. And you can hear this podcast. So it's free. This information is being given to you, right? I didn't charge you to listen to this podcast. And for example, that that information can be obtained. That said, that is still ultimately the responsibility of the consumer. You don't go and buy a snowblower without clicking, right? And finding out that model one is better than model three, right? That doesn't happen. And the information does exist in certain forms. Finding it, distilling it, filtering it is a difficult task. I'm not disputing that. Sometimes it takes an expert. Some people don't want to call experts. Okay, that's fine. I'm not here to, you know, try to talk you into, you know, what path is best for you. But the in, does the information exist? It definitely exists. Definitely. It has to. Because, again, the sellers are regulated to reveal these in advance. You don't get to change the terms and conditions to financial contracts after the fact. And this is then the second takeaway, which is that while it may look random, that in financial matters, many times it is not random at all and can, it looks like a crystal ball prediction. It's not. Where have we seen this? So this very small slice here is used by me in order to illustrate the point which is that Blue Cross Blue Shield in this particular instance did exactly what it was supposed to do. And the second takeaway is that this happens in other areas. Let's just take Medicare. For example, here's the first one, which is that Plan C, Plan F will not be any longer available to new applicants beginning in 2020. Entirely predictable. In fact, I get to take my victory lap now since there is a time capsule. The 2013 edition of Maximize Your Medicare speculated that, hey, you know that Medigap can be restructured. It's happened in the past. And the exact citation was on the fact that this could be a consideration, right? Because plan C and plan F pay for the part B deductible. So if you're a hypochondriac, then the plan pays for the coverage and which puts Medicare on the hook. So, of course, if you're going to modify Medicare in its fundamental state, that is a first stop. Absolutely. This was not necessarily random at all. Now, it wasn't higher probability, but by that same token, it also wasn't random. Do we have that now going forward? You, Yes, we do. We still have it. Because we are now entering the national debate about who will be the next president in 2020. And... Medicare for all, Medicare for more, whatever the phraseology you want to use. And yes, I could debate with you what the subtle differences are. Ultimately, someone has to pay if the general population is going to be covered in a more comprehensive way than they currently are. Who am I going to take that from? I'm going to take it from the healthcare provider. 
I, I don't think there's any way around that. Some contribution is going to have to be made from hospitals and doctors. Well, part A is covered by, you know, hospitalization, inpatient hospitalizations covered by part A. There's no flexibility here on the compensation rate. CMS doles it out. Hospitals have to take it, period, end of story. However, part B is different, meaning there is determination by the health care provider in order to determine what is the charge for a particular service. So you can know if you go to your cardiologist, it costs X dollars at cardiologist number one, it costs Y dollars at cardiologist number two. So just put yourself in a practical point of view. You know your payment rate's going down and you have flexibility. What do you do? You raise rates. Are there bounds? Yes. Are there exceptions? Also, yes. What are they called? Part B excess. So while people think that Part B excess, oh, I've never seen this and it's never going to happen. Okay. Part of insurance is to cover a possible version of the unknown, what looked to be random. And now you can understand why I'm bringing it up here. That in much in the same way, that Blue Cross was the rational actor. It did what it had to do. What would you do if you're a Part B healthcare provider? Simple. Now, can I be wrong? Of course, absolutely, because I don't have a crystal ball either, right? It's other things, other inputs could occur in the future where this conclusion, these conclusions, these suppositions, hypotheses change Absolutely, right? The world changes. We don't know for sure whether or not there could be sweeping legislative change, for example. However, the most probable path here is that the payment rate to someone will decline. So the person has $300,000 of medical debt. What would you advise to that person? It's not that difficult to understand what the logical conclusion must be. Once you get beyond all of this, there are a number of different financial topics where this same type of analysis, this same type of thought process, what I've described here is not complicated. However, what it is, is explained in language, everyday language that everyone can understand, irrespective of your educational background, how much money you have, your health situation. No matter what, you know, this type of information is very valuable. The impact is enormous for specific guidelines on specific topics, gh2benefits.com. There is a subscription website called GH2 Unfiltered. There are certain limits to what I can tell you here on a free podcast, right? Because I'm highly regulated. You don't hear me saying, okay, amongst... 10 Medigap sellers, choose this one, avoid that one. So even though the contracts are the same, that doesn't mean that I said just choose any old Medigap carrier. That's not what I said. There's a line. There's There are lines here. They're subtle, right? And those subtle lines I don't cross intentionally. 
I intentionally don't cross those lines because someone is going to misunderstand, misconstrue, misinterpret, and then misuse the information as if it were advice. There's a reason I start this podcast with, this is not financial advice. And there it is right there. Now, GH2 Unfiltered, does it name specific names? Does it examine very specific instances? Yes. FEHB, which is the Federal Employee Health Benefits Program. My conclusions would be different depending on where you live, depending on the price, for example. Am I sitting here spewing it out on a case-by-case basis on a podcast? Can't really do that. Can I do that behind the curtain, behind a subscription site where someone is specifically going to find some specific piece of information that would address their specific situation? You bet you. GH2 benefits, GH2 unfiltered. There's a special code for first-time subscribers for the first year. It is MADNESS with a capital M. We are here at March Madness. I'm Jay. This is the Maximize Your Medicare podcast. Please be sure to subscribe. Rate the podcast on i on iTunes. It's not called iTunes anymore, is it? It's called Apple Podcasts. You can see it also anywhere else you digest your podcast. Tune in, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there. Please subscribe. Please share this. And also, check out the YouTube channel. Talk with you next time.